Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And today I'm joined by all three of my pastoral residents, Kevin Noor. Hey guys. Bryce Amix. How's it going? And Alex Tate. How's it going? And we're going to be coming at you with another Theology for Everyone podcast, talking about Christ, the Mediator, Chapter 8, the last two articles in this section. <clears throat> We're going to jump right in. Christ, in the work of mediation, acteth according to both natures, by each nature doing that which is proper to itself. Hmm. Yet by reason of the unity of the person, that which is proper to one nature is sometimes in Scripture attributed to the person denominated by the other nature. What? <laughs> Whoa, this is complicated. So we have, we know we that Jesus has two natures, mm-hmm. right? His God nature and his human nature. And the Westminster Divines here are trying to show us that Christ in the work of mediation, he acteth according to both natures. Okay, by each nature doing that which is proper to itself. What's what text do we have for that? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. You got another one? <clears throat> yeah, first Peter three eighteen. For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Okay, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Okay, so each nature doing that which is proper to itself, yet by reason of the unity of the person, so even though he has two natures, they're still united in one person, that which is proper to one nature is sometimes in Scripture attributed to the person denominated by the other nature. Mm. So let's, what text do we have for that? I have three of them here. Acts 20, 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then John three thirteen, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And finally, 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Okay, so we see the one person, Jesus, coming down out of heaven, basically, right? Mm-hmm. That's, his, that's what he did as God, in his God-like nature. His flesh was never in heaven before, but his spirit was. And then... But then he dies on the cross, and his physical body dies on the cross, but his spirit doesn't die because he's God and he can't die. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, because he's unified person, they're going, you know, they just talk about him like he's one, like he's one, like he's a man, right? Because that's what he is. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, they are trying to um, show us that both his godlike nature and his human nature was at work doing what's proper to itself. Mm -hmm. So once again, 
He's fully man and he's fully God. He's 100% man and he's 100% God. <clears throat> when he dies, he dies as a man because literally God can't die. When he comes out of heaven, he comes out of heaven as a God and becomes man, mm -hmm. right? Because he didn't, his physical, when he, his physical body didn't exist yet, yeah. right? <clears throat> okay, let's keep reading. To all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he doth certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them and revealing unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation, effectually persuading them by his spirit to believe and obey and governing their hearts by his word and spirit, overcoming all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom in such manner and ways as are most consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. A long paragraph there. The Westminster Divines working slowly through this. Let's go. To all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption. Now this doctrine could be called particular redemption. <clears throat> this is a little confusing. Some, there are some scriptures that say Christ died for the world. Mm. Christ died for all the world. <clears throat> but, and you can speak that way, but you would argue, well, if he died for all the world, then why isn't all the world saved? Mm. And there's some that believe that Christ did die for all the world and all the world is saved. And that's called, you know, universalism basically, that everyone is going to be universally saved. No matter if they believe or not, God is so gracious they're going to be saved. We don't believe that's what Scripture teaches. We reject universalism. What we believe is in particular redemption. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and purchased redemption, he paid the debt for every single person who is in Christ, or, or he paid the debt for all of the elect. Mm. That's who Jesus died for. Jesus actually died for the elect. He died for the elect. His sacrifice covers the debt of the elect. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he saved us, mm. okay? He purchased redemption. Now listen, to all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he doth certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same. So he's saying, he didn't just die for people. Think about it like this. If Jesus died, but didn't actually save people when he died, then theoretically, he could have died for no reason. He could have died, and no one would have believed in him. He could have died, and people just walk away and turn their back. And so think about what that would mean, that God could become man, live the perfect life, die a substitutionary death on the cross, and then human beings could look at it, shrug their shoulders, and walk away, and the world not change. Right? That's an absurdity. But isn't that also why they had so many witnesses as well, even when he did return? 
Well, no, that's not why. Those witnesses are evidence, but, and they do help people come to faith and believe and trust the accuracy of the scriptures and things like that. But no, this is separate. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he saved people like you, me. He, he took our real sins on the cross and paid for them. If a guy um, does not turn to Christ, Jesus did not take that guy's sins to the cross and pay for him. Yeah. Jesus only paid for the sins of the elect. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because listen, if Jesus paid for that guy's sins and then that guy goes to, goes to stand before the judgment seat of God and never turns to Christ and, and God says, nope, depart from me, I never knew you, and that guy's gonna go to hell and suffer the wrath of God, that, that's not fair because Jesus already paid for that guy's sins. So why would Jesus, Jesus is charging double? You can't charge double. If Jesus paid, it's paid, yeah. right? If Jesus paid for my dinner, you can't come up to me and tell me to pay for my dinner. He already paid for my dinner, right? So whose dinner did Jesus pay for? Only the elect. So why do you think uh, people try to pay back their sins, I guess you would say? So if they wrong someone, they got to try to do it you know, times 10 to make sure that that person... Well, there's two. One, that's a good thing to do. If you steal from somebody, you should pay it back, and you should pay back more than you owe. That's a, a, an outworking of the work of Christ and the work of the Spirit in you. But two, people don't want to be in anybody's debt. People don't want to be in anybody's debt. They, feel, they don't want to feel needy. They want to feel powerful, and, so that, and they want to feel in control, and so they do it that way. Okay, hold on. He doth certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same. So God, Jesus didn't die for anyone that he's not actually going to apply that salvation to them. Okay, and communicate the same, making intercession for them. So Jesus is going to the right hand of the Father and he's pleading my case. He's pleading your case. And he's going to reveal unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation. So he's not going to do... He's going to save us, but he's also going to communicate that salvation to us Mm. through preachers, through books, through the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, to to believe and obey so that we would believe in him and obey. Okay, so he's doing the process. Let's say he's doing the process. The whole process is going on behind the scenes. He dies for us. He sends the spirit. He communicates the gospel to us and he inspires us by the Holy Spirit to even believe and obey, but we do believe and obey, okay? And governing their hearts by his word and spirit. So he's governing our heart. He's, he's the one causing us to believe and obey. Mm. He's doing that in our hearts. That we say that we're, we look and say, I believe. This is good news to me. He's at the one at work in our heart. I love this. Overcoming all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom in such manner and ways as are most consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. All right, we got some scriptures. Let's, let's just break that out. I, I've kind of talked about it, but let's go through some of those scriptures. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? Mm-hmm. Um... Malachi uh, 4, 2, and 3. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. 
on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Ooh, the wicked, the enemies, the enemies. He will overcome every enemy. <clears throat> now listen, there is no new heavens and the new earth if there's a bunch of enemies running around because they would ruin it, yeah. right? And so one of the great promises is that God is going to overcome all of the sin in our own hearts and purify our own hearts so that we'll be holy citizens of his kingdom, only doing good, right, you know, good, right, and true things, but also any of the wicked will be destroyed, and so they won't be there to destroy it, right? Mm-hmm. What else we got? First John 2, 1 and 2. Um, My little children, I am writing these things to you that so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that's a couple of confusing things in that scripture that we've already talked about it. Yep. One, we have we still sin. We still sin, right? He's like, I don't want you to sin, but you still sin. And guess mm-hmm. what? We have an advocate at the Father. Yeah. We have a mediator. We have an intercessor. We have Jesus who's there, whose blood speaks a better word and mm-hmm. cleanses us and reminds us so that we have the righteousness of God. As the Satan accuses us, he's the accuser of the brother, Jesus is there pleading his blood over us. And yet he writes that he's the propitiation. He turns away the wrath of God, not just from us, but from the sins of the whole world, right? And so what's he talking about there? Well, we think he's talking particularly to a, 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 a group of people. And he's saying, not just you in this church, but all believers everywhere around mm-hmm. the whole world. There's mm-hmm. That he's he's died for believers, yeah. the elect, that are all the way across the globe. We got any more scriptures? Yeah, John 15. Greater, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You, you are my friend if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Okay. Anything else? Um, yeah, Ephesians 1, 7, 8, and 9. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, there was a time when we were, Jesus had purchased our salvation, we were saved in him, and yet we didn't know it. Yeah. We had to be, that had to be made known to us through his Holy Spirit right, and through the revelation of the gospel itself. And then he leads us and guides us to understand that revelation, right? To come to believe it. Anything else? Yeah, Romans 15, 18, and 19. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Mm. And then by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Oh, goodness. Illyricum. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Okay. So Paul's there saying that Jesus is the one doing the work in him or through him, right? So Jesus is the one accomplishing it. So when I get up and I preach the gospel and someone comes to faith, it's not me making that person 
come to faith. It's not me through my intellect, through my witty stories, through my ability to exegete the text. It's not me doing the work. Now, is it important that I do a good job? Yes. If I share a false gospel, then I, I can screw the thing up. Yeah. But the crazy thing is God can save people even through a bad presentation of the gospel if he wants to. Yeah. Right. But when someone comes to faith, that's Jesus working through me to speak to his people. This is why every single time I get up to preach, I ask the Lord to think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords that his sheep would hear his voice yeah. mm-hmm. and not and not my voice. And so we believe that this that Jesus is the one doing all the work. Jesus is the one who lived the life. Jesus is the one who died the death. Jesus is the one who was raised to the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the one who sends the Spirit. Jesus is the one who convinces people of his righteousness. Jesus is the one who reveals himself in the gospel. Does the Spirit work in all that? Yep, yep, yep. The, the Spirit of who? The Spirit of Jesus, right? Yeah. So Jesus is the one that causing people to believe. Jesus is the one who who's advocating for us and interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the one who's, per, who's helping us persevere through difficult times and walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus is the one who's sanctifying us. Jesus is the one Preach who's it. holding on to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not us holding on to him. It's Jesus holding on to us. Mm. And so that's why Jesus can say, I've never lost one of the ones that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Right? He's never going to lose a sheep. Yeah. Jesus isn't. So. so I can practically picture somebody thinking, Jesus does it all, start to finish. So why do I have to be a missionary? Why do I share the gospel? Yeah. Well, one, I don't like that language. Um, that's like, why do I have to eat cake? Agreed. I'm like, uh, what's wrong with you? Because it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it's good, you know? Yeah. And, and, First off, God is sovereign over the ends, but mm-hmm. he's also sovereign over the means. And the means he uses to save people is the preaching of the gospel or the sharing of the gospel or you know the sharing of your story, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so the means is he wants to use you, mm-hmm. but that's actually a blessing. I mean, that's a gift that we get to be used by God and, and we get to see people come to faith. It's one of the most exciting things that you can do in your life. And it's why you're here. Mm-hmm. It's why you're on the planet is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's the means. I mean, yeah, he's doing it all, but he does it all through us, you know, for the mo- most of it. I, mean, I won't say it all because he can save somebody through a dream if he wants to, but the normal way he saves people yeah. is through um, human interaction, right? Relationships, preaching, sharing, <laughs> singing, the gospel, mm-hmm. right? That's the normal way he does it. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, and this is just the way he likes to work, right? It's the way he likes to work. <clears throat> All right, anything else? Well, I was, oh, go ahead. Um, just thinking back to that text that Kevin shared a second ago about um, not only dying for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Is there... Um, is there anything that Jesus' death accomplished for the unelect other than guaranteeing their damnation? It's like, is there any common grace yes. they didn't have before? Sure, absolutely. I mean, not, <clears throat> not everyone. Not un- I don't think universally um, that I can think of off the top of my head, but... <clears throat> 
if you've been raised in the Western world, then you've experienced some common grace that is unique to the history of the world. <clears throat> Things like the access to education, the access to health care, the access to human rights. Um, all of these things are, are truths that have, ca- that have came out of Christianity mm-hmm. in the Western world. And so those are all common grace that, that you know, many people think today it's just, co- it's just common sense, but they're not common sense. I mean, you don't have these in a lot of, you don't have those values and virtues in a, a lot of places around the world. You know, women's rights and all of, all of these things. Have, have are an outgrowth of Christianity. Mm. You know, mm. I was reading a book um, recently, and he was talking about the reason why, um, you know, we can never quote unquote fix Afghanistan. We can never get over into Afghanistan and any of the Middle East, and and democracy won't take root, is because the only reason democracy take basically a, a nation has to be Christianized before it can be democratic. Hmm. There's democracy is never, has never um, been created in any nation that wasn't first a Christian nation because democracy comes out of our Christian values and our, in a Christian worldview. And so it's, it's interesting. That's why like we can't get over there and fix anything because they live in an autocratic society. Their religion itself is, is autocratic. It's God's way or the highway and and they kill the, they kill everybody who doesn't believe like they do. You know, but in in Christianity, we have a freedom of the will. Now, next week, we're going to start talking about free will. We're not talking about we have free will, but we believe there's a freedom of the will, which means Christianity can never be forced on a person. Right. Mm. So just because you're born an American, we don't make you become Christian. Right. You can't make someone become a Christian. A Christian must be uh one, like wooed from the inside by the Holy Spirit, and then they must have a freedom of conscience to be able to choose it or reject it, mm-hmm. okay? And that's the foundations of democracy. That's the foundation of, of, of freedom, right? And so um, it's interesting. I mean, so, so, it's, so it's interesting in the West, if you grow up in the West, you have a lot of, um, you're, you're living off the capital of a Christian society. Even if you're an atheist and you reject God, you're like, you're living in our, you know, you're living in our world basically, and and you're 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 experiencing some of the benefits of of Christianity that you wouldn't be experienced if we we weren't heavily influenced uh, by Christianity yeah. in the beginning. So in a very real way, the church is kind of a common grace to the unelect, or the work oh, yeah. of the church. Yeah, the work of the church is is a common grace to the unelect for sure. I mean, and, and hopefully. Because of our presence in the world, we're making our cities a better place to live. We're making we're better neighbors. We're 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 hopefully keeping crime down. We're we're I mean Christians started schools. Okay, mm-hmm. the reason education takes root in in Western society is because we wanted to teach people to read so they could read the Bible. Yeah, you know farmers were like, why we don't need to read? We don't need to read. We're working the field. It don't matter. And we're like, we want you to be Christian. And we need to teach you the Bible, so we want your kids to go to school, yeah. right? And so, you're educated. Hospitals created by Christians, you know, to take care of the sick. Um, all kind of the, the the different organizations we have to take care of the poor, 
most of the time, when somebody can't pay their rent, who do they call? They come to a church. They mm-hmm. call the church to, to ask for rent assistance, to ask for groceries, to ask for these things. So yes, the presence of, so the work of Jesus in the lives of Christians reverberates mm-hmm. around the globe and literally has a global impact. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, we're sending missionaries, we're feeding people, we're doing all these different things, and that and that has a common grace um, aspect to it, for sure. Any other questions or thoughts? I just think that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of a couple of people I've known who've been very opposed to the church, and just the fact that that God still works in those people's lives and they don't even know it is just, it's awesome. Yeah. And if you could ever, you know, listen to a person's story like that, you can show them, Mm. you can say, Hey, uh, you can open their eyes to see that they're in a sense. They're like, they're like climbing up the Christian tree Mm. and then they're, they're sawing the branch off that they're, they're sitting on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because, You know, many of the, the blessings of free, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things all come out of Christianity and they don't come out of any other religion. Yeah. We're, we're the, one of the only countries, maybe even the only country that has freedom of speech. Mm. Why? Because it came, we came out of, it came out of our Christian convictions, you know? So, and there's a lot, I could go on and on down, um, down the line on different things. So, um, <clears throat> all right. Anything else? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, next theology for everyone, we're going to be talking about the topic of free will. And that is always a dicey one. So, hopefully, <laughs> we will uh, be able to talk to you soon. If you've got any questions, please email me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. God bless. Mm-hmm.